Turn with me to John chapter 14. John 14. We're wrapping up our series this week uh, entitled Twisted, uh, looking at commonly misused verses. We've looked at some verses that, that we read correctly, but we apply poorly. We've looked at some verses that we read completely out of context and get the wrong meaning. We look at some verses that we thought taught one thing when the whole of Scripture teaches the opposite. And this morning, I want to look at a specific verse that that I think we not only take out of context, but often misapply. And this is a a verse that we're going to look at in John chapter 14, that if you and I sat down and had a conversation, we would all agree on the right, true meaning. When we try to apply it to our lives, I feel like we let it crush our souls when God does not answer prayer the way we've asked Him to. So we're going to look at a verse this morning in in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, where Jesus tells us to ask anything and he will give it to us. Before we do, I want to start off by sharing with you, I'm not much of a hunter as an adult. As a matter of fact, I can't remember the last time I've sat in a tree stand, but as a high school student, my stepdad was an avid hunter, and so I would go hunting with him regularly. Uh, Every year, we went on a trip to South Carolina, Uh, and, and the first year I got to go with this group of men to South Carolina. It was a bunch of guys from our church and then a couple of uh, our friends or or my stepdad's friends who were not believers, but they got to come and and sit through devotional times as well. And it was was kind of a good outreach for them. And and I'd gone, I'd never shot anything in my life as far as an animal goes. I never shot a deer and was excited because in South Carolina at the time, um, the limit for deer was two bucks a day. That was the limit, like crazy high. They were just overpopulated, and so I was excited. Uh, We're going to a place I was going to hopefully get to shoot something and got all geared up. Well, we get there uh, the the first day before we ever got out of stand. We go through the the cabin, and in the cabin there's a, a large mount of a deer that someone had shot, very large antlers, and underneath it was a plaque that said, The prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And so I looked at one of the guys that came with us who was not a believer, and I said, look at this, I'm going to start praying right now that I shoot a deer tonight. Of course, he laughed it off, you know, of course, you, are, yeah, you go ahead, you're a freshman in high school, and I'm an adult, you pray for the deer, and I'm going to, I'm going to wear the right camouflage and do all the right things, and, and we'll see who gets one first. Well, wouldn't you know it, that night, I was so excited sitting in my stand when a nine-point buck came out, and I killed the first deer I've ever killed in my life, and nobody else saw a thing. It was exciting, right? So I get back and, well, what happened? How did you do that? And oh, right place, right time, I guess. I pointed back to the plaque and I said, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Wouldn't you know it? The next morning I said, I prayed up. Did you? No, no, I'm not praying up. Wouldn't you know it? We go out there and there's a doe that walks by. And of course, my stepdad said, you shot a a buck, but we can use the meat and we we can have, so if you see another deer, go ahead. And so this doe walks by and I think, okay, I get all excited and, and I shoot my second deer in my life. I was so excited. About 10 minutes later, I guess there was another buck that was curious because he came walking out in front of me. And I thought, well, they're going to kill me if I shoot three deer in the first 24 hours we're here. What am I going to do the rest of the week, you know? But sure enough, there he was. He was too good to pass up. And three deer in a 24-hour period. By the way, I, I can tell you, those are the only three deer I've ever shot in my entire life. <laughs> I got back, and what do you know? Nobody else had seen a thing. Well, how did you do that? I pointed to the plaque. The prayers of a righteous man are powerful. Enough. Wouldn't you know that lost guy sat on his knees and prayed with me for a deer that night? <laughs> 
Does prayer work that way? Does prayer work where if we want something bad enough, and we say the right words, all of a sudden all of our prayers are answered exactly how we ask them? You know, sometimes, praise the Lord, sometimes it does. Sometimes we say, God, this is the specific need I have in my life. And he answers our prayer. Lord, there's a bill I need covered. Lord, there's a relationship that needs mended. Lord, there's a physical issue that I have that needs healing. And sometimes we rejoice. We give great thanksgiving because God answers that prayer in the specific way we pray. But for every time I can count that God has answered the prayer exactly how I asked for it, I can probably count ten other ways that God answered it differently. Sometimes we pray and God gives us exactly what we ask for. Sometimes he gives us a little bit of what we ask for, but maybe more or different. Sometimes we pray and God says no, and we don't get what we asked for. And we know this when we talk amongst ourselves. We understand that's how God works, and God's ways are higher than our ways. We're going to look at all that tonight, but, but I think sometimes while we know that up here, we don't really understand it in our hearts. How many of you all have ever prayed for something that God has not given you an answer that you were happy with and you were bitter towards God? You're frustrated and upset. God, why, why wouldn't you? Lord, I, I prayed and I asked. And maybe even, maybe even a verse like John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14 comes to mind. And you question, God, I, I was genuine and I prayed. Where were you? In the Gospel of John, Jesus is talking the, the night before he's be crucified, and he tells the disciples this, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. How many people I've heard reference this verse, or there's a, a few others like it, and share a disappointment that God did not answer exactly what they prayed for. By the way, John writes this in the Gospel of John. So if you're going through the Bible, you've got the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, written by the Apostle John. John actually wrote uh, three short letters towards the end of the Bible as well. And John doubles down on this statement. He heard it from Jesus with his own ears. And in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, he writes this. This is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. John says again, if you will ask anything in His name, He hears us and will have that request. Sometimes we like to twist Scripture, but other times Scripture twists us. We read this and we say, this is not my life experience. I've prayed in Jesus' name, and God has not given me everything I've asked for. How are we to interpret a verse like John chapter 14, verse 13? How are we to interpret this, this biblical truth that if we ask anything in the name of Christ, he'll give it to us when our own life doesn't bear that fruit? When we ask and we plead and we beg and we still suffer. What are we to do? And, and I want to look maybe at a couple of phrases in this passage 
There's, there's two main ideas I want to focus on. If you have your bulletin, you just have blank lines this week, you can jot some of these things down. Two main truths I want to hone in on. But the first is to understand the context of what this verse is, is in. There's a specific clause that Jesus includes, both in, in John 14, and then John quotes him in 1 John chapter 5. He says, Whatever you ask... In my name. If you ask anything, uh, ask me anything in my name. There's kind of a caveat there, right? If you pray in my name, then I'll give it to you. And so we are really good at praying in the name of Jesus. Matter of fact, I think most people who, who pray publicly wrap their prayer up with, in Jesus' name, amen. By the way, those are the magic words, aren't they? If we just tack that on to the end of our prayer, that's the secret that unlocks everything we want, right? Lord, if, if I ask you this, and then I, I recite this incantation, in Jesus' name, amen, all of a sudden, doors will be open, and I'll have everything I ask for. It says it right here in John 14, in 1 John 5. Of course, we know that's not true. What does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? It's really important to understand the context of Jesus' name. And, and what I want you to write down if you're taking notes is this. Jesus' name conveys Jesus' will. Jesus' name conveys Jesus' will. In other words, it's not the five letters, J-U-S-U-S, that cause God to work in your prayer life. Instead, it's the acknowledgement and the surrender to the will of Jesus Christ. The word Jesus means nothing. The name Jesus means everything. The name of Jesus is simply praying, Lord, will you work your will in my life? I know this sounds kind of silly, but if you pray for God's will, you will receive it every time. Try it. You want to be 100%, batting 1,000 from here on out in your prayer life. Stop asking for things and start just saying, Lord, I want your will to be done, period. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know if that means suffering. I don't know if that means blessing. I just want your will. 100% of the time, every time you pray for Jesus' will in his name, in his meaning, in his purpose, every time God will answer that prayer with his will. Our problem is we don't pray in Jesus' name. We pray in the word Jesus, don't we? We tack it on as if it unlocks something, but we don't really want his will. We want our will. Well, that's why most of our prayers consist of asking and not praising. Most of our prayers consist of us telling God what he should do instead of us saying, Lord, do what you know is best. So when we pray, instead of praying, Lord, give me, give me, we should be praying, Lord, I want what you want. It's okay to pray for the desires of your heart. As a matter of fact, if you're sick or your loved one is sick, you should pray for their healing. You should. You should pray in Jesus' name that he would heal that individual. If you're struggling financially, you should pray for wisdom and guidance and help. If you're struggling in your, your married life or in your relationships with your children, you should pray, Lord, this is what I want. But, but our prayers always come across, give me God, instead of, Lord, Lord, I know you're teaching me something in this struggle. 
God, I, I know that there is a purpose behind what's going on here. Father, I, I know that even in this hard time, you are still good and working good in my life. And so, Lord, I want you to teach me and show me exactly what you want me to know. Lord, if that means my suffering continues, Lord, let me continue to suffer so I can grow closer to you. If that means you, you want to show your miraculous healing power, Lord, show your miraculous healing power. But I want, God, what you have for my life above all else. And so, Lord, I want you to know my desire is that you would heal, that you would repair, that you would restore. And not my will, not my name, but your will and in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How would that affect our prayer lives if we stopped praying for give me God and started praying, Lord, you know what's best, even in the struggle. Yes, we can receive everything we ask for when we pray for the will of God. When we ask God's will to be done, it is guaranteed God will work his will in your life. That may not be the way your mind sees it, the way your will accepts it, but every time when you ask for God's will, you will receive an affirmative answer. I think it should change the way we pray when we pray in Jesus' name and in his will and in his purpose. But secondly, I, I think it's important to see the specific context that Jesus is offering this prayer in First John or in John chapter 14. This isn't a, a prayer that Jesus has for a specific physical need. Oh, there's times that he prays, Lord, take this cup from me. Let me not suffer the cross. There are times he prays for, for someone who's sick. He tells the disciples when they can't cast out demons, that kind can only be cast out with prayer. He understands praying for tangible needs, but this is not a prayer for a tangible need. No, this is a prayer for people to be saved. Jesus is specifically saying, if you ask for God's will to be done in salvation, you better believe God's will will be done in salvation. It doesn't mean everyone you pray for comes to Christ, but it means God will make salvation available to everyone. Look at the context in verse 12. This is so important that we understand Jesus' prayer here. It's not, Lord, heal me, Lord, fix me, Lord, help me. Instead, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Did you know that Jesus said you're going to do greater miracles than he did? Have you ever thought about that? You ever come across this verse and wondered, what are these greater works? I mean, Jesus walked on water, right? Jesus healed blind people and cripples. Jesus brought people back from the dead, and before he goes to the cross, he looks at his disciples and etched in his word to you and to me, Jesus says, if you believe in me, you're going to do greater things than all that you've witnessed. Jesus fed 5,000 people, 5,000 men and their families with just a, a few fish and some loaves of bread. I, I, wonder if, I wonder if you could do better than that. We don't have 5,000 people here this morning, but we've got some people working really hard at feeding you all this morning, right? Could, could you do that miracle? Could you do greater things than even Christ? What are these greater things that he asks and tells us to do? You know, there is not one person in all of Jesus' ministry that, that he was able to sit down with and point back to salvation. Every person he led to be a follower of God, he said, look ahead, it's coming. Look ahead, it's coming. Look ahead, it's coming. 
you and I get to see the finished product. And in the greatest miracle that we could ever be a part of, we get to point people to the cross of Christ and say, you can have salvation because of what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus saw hundreds, maybe thousands of people follow God. But since that time, his church has seen millions in greater numbers. I think it's very fitting that that one of the very first acts that the apostles did after Jesus Christ left them was not lead a handful of people to Christ, but lead thousands to Christ. As an example, that Jesus said, you will do greater things, and they did. Jesus in this context is not talking about greater physical miracles. It's not raising people from the dead. It's not healing their blindness or their, their lameness. No, he's saying you will bring spiritual life to people, and there is no greater miracle than that. And in that context, he says, I write these things to you in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. John says in in 1 John, you can have assurance of your salvation because you know that Jesus Christ saves. In the context of these passages on salvation, it is then and only then that Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, regarding the lost to be saved, regarding salvation to come to all mankind, if you ask that, if you beg of my will, I will offer salvation to everyone so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask it, pray for, beg and plead. I believe wholeheartedly that the reason why many people are not turning to Christ is because God has primed them and is is waiting for you and I to go and share the gospel. We see examples of this all throughout the New Testament. If you read the book of Acts, several places where God sends people and says, they're ready, they're just waiting for you to go. They're, They're out there and the harvest is plentiful. I'm just waiting for a worker to go and reap the harvest. God is working in the hearts of of people all around us. And now he's asking. He's telling us that we should be praying and acting on that. Lord, will you save them? Will you use me to lead them? This is a prayer specifically that the lost are found in Christ. And there's a promise. If you've been praying for someone, there's a promise that God will work his will in their life doesn't mean that they'll accept him or they'll reject him. We don't know that, but but we know that God is in control. We know that he is working in the hearts of those he's calling. And he's wanting you and I to be a part of that evangelistic effort and share that. Maybe this morning someone's been praying for you for a long time. Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you're saying, "I, I know that God's will is to save me, but I've not been following him. Maybe this morning it's time that that your prayer be, Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, in your name and according to your will, give me the salvation in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we know this morning that you only give good gifts. Father, we're confident that when we pray for your will, you will give us your will, and it's always your perfect will. Lord, so many of us have run from your will and sought our own ways and our own will. Father, in your name, in your son's name this morning, we ask that you would work your will in our lives and in our hearts.
Well, there are people in here this morning who, who have called your name, who have, who have referenced you as a person, but have not sought you as their Lord. We pray this morning they would surrender their lives. Or that this moment on, they would seek your will, your ways, and not their own. Lord, make us passionate about reaching others for the gospel. Lord, we pray this morning that you would move in the hearts of those you're calling to you. Lord, that you would, you would move with your spirit and open up hearts to receive the truth of your gospel message. And Lord, we pray that you would use us as your church to share that message with them. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness in all circumstances. It's in your name we pray. Amen.